Hey guys, this is Matt coming at you with the next episode of the Great Romance Podcast. And I can tell you that, um, so this is season three, um, episode four. And as far back as season one, I have always wanted to do this type of podcast. And mostly because I've heard other podcasts do this before. So, um, I'm copying, you know, but uh, I I would say people should take it as a compliment. Um, it's flattering when you do something that somebody else is doing. And what I've always wanted to do is take questions from supporters of The Great Romance, fans, friends, random people, uh, supporters of the podcast, listeners, whatever, and take your questions and... Um, answer them and just devote a whole podcast to that. So we started out a little slow. I put it out there. I had to uh, get the pot primed a little bit and ask some people, hey man, why don't you put a question before I look really ridiculous because nobody wants to ask any questions. But then once that started, then we kind of took off. And so I have quite a few and we'll see. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. There's some silly ones, but here's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to pretend to be professional. Um, I really have to try hard for that. And act as if all of these people are random people I do not know. And uh, I'll obviously say a little something if I do know them. Um, All while avoiding the cat who is trying to climb on my laptop while I'm doing the podcast. And that's Daisy. That's Daisy Ray. And so I'm going to come at it. As if these are just random folk. Now I'll say a little something about you, so don't get all upset if you think I'm going to act like I don't know you, but we're going to pretend to be professional with this. So we are going to dive right in. And the first question that I'm going to go through, and so I got these questions randomly. I've mixed them up a little bit, so there's a little bit of a flow for this. So um, the first question is from Mitchell Vernati, and I'm never sure if I'm saying his last name correctly. So uh, Mitchell asked this, and I want to say this before we really, really dive in. So Mitchell is a podcast supporter, and there are different levels that we have where you can donate. Um, 99 cents is the bronze level, 499 is the silver level, 999 is the gold level, and that's per month. So you can donate at those levels to help support the podcast. Uh, and if you donate at the bronze level, you get early exclusive content. If you donate at the silver level, you get 5% off of all Great Romance purchases and a little Great Romance sticker. And if you donate at the gold level, that's $9.99 a month, you get 10% off of all Great Romance purchases and a free t-shirt. So if you're interested in donating, because we do want to keep putting content out there and your donations help us do that and get guests and things, um, you can literally just go to anchor.fm backslash Matt-Volmer. I'll put the link in this podcast. Click on that and it'll just say support. You can pick a level to donate and then you'll get a code for your 10% or your 5% off and we'll mail you some stuff and we give you exclusive content. So think about it, but Mitchell is a supporter of the podcast and Mitchell asked, is there going to be new music from us? If so, when? And so the last thing that we put out was kind of during the pandemic 
uh, we put out a live CD, and you can get that on iTunes and Spotify and all of those places. Um, and it was a live CD just called The Great Romance Live. And we were pretty happy. It was a concert that we recorded back in, uh, we were in Florida, and it was a run from a while ago. And so Chase, uh, just being Chase, we were having some downtime, and he took the board mix from that night. And he's like, I'm just going to work on it. So, you know, he put in some work. And then, honestly, I think we all forgot about it. And so it just sat uh, on a file that he had given me. And so I remember flying somewhere and I sat and like broke down everything into tracks. And I was like, well, these are um, good tracks for people who like play with us. And so I was like, well, that's what they'll be good for. And so I sat on it some more and then COVID happens. And I'm like, you know, it's always been one of my dreams to put out a live album. And so I talked to Chase and I said, hey, man, like this, it seems pretty good to me. And he goes, well, send it to me before you do anything with it. So I sent it over and he did his Chase thing and started working with stuff. And he sends it back and I'm like, man, it sounds really good. And so we sent it to a mastering group and a mastering company and uh, they <laughs> put some magic on it. And so we dropped that album EP back I can't remember if there's five or six songs on it and uh we dropped that and that's the last thing that we put out so definitely because of COVID we weren't traveling as much we weren't playing as many shows um my requirements at the church where I'm a youth pastor and a worship leader um have definitely made me rethink some things and traveling so we don't play as much uh but that didn't mean that we didn't start we stopped writing and so we've been sitting on some songs for a bit so I'm glad Mitchell asked this so I'm announcing this here I had teased it a little bit on some of our social media platforms that on December 1st we're gonna drop a Christmas song um, on December 1st and it's called Christmas time again I wrote it inspired by thinking back to memories that I had from Christmases in the past. I love Christmas. My wife loves Christmas. Our family loves Christmas. Borderline obsessed. Uh, if you've ever been anywhere, you've heard me tell the story. We have literally 17 to 18 Christmas trees, which by the way are up already. And I know you're like, it's not Thanksgiving yet. That's what we do. You do you, we'll do us. And so... Um, that's kind of where the song was inspired by, but it's just like holding on to some of those Christmas memories. So brand new, I played it at the Christmas online concert we did, um, I think last Christmas, man. Yeah. Last Christmas. And so on December 1st, check all digital platforms, Spotify, iTunes, um, you know, anything that we can get the song out there on. And we'll drop it then as long as everything goes according to plans. And then another thing that I'm just kind of teasing, just throwing those out there. Um, I've been toying with doing a Kickstarter to raise money to drop a little three to five song EP. So stay tuned on that. I wrote some songs with David Gross and Jonathan Raby. And we've been sitting on some of those for a bit. I'd like to get those out there. 
And also, um, Chase Weber, again, we wrote a pop song called All My Days that is recorded and finished, but Chase has to go through and do some mixing. We'll get that mastered and just drop that as a single. I don't know if that's going to be under The Great Romance or just like our own thing, uh, which Chase and I have the same middle name. So if you know us, you would know what that is, and we might drop it under that. Um, no release date on that except probably 2022 is when that'll come out. So actually some stuff to look forward to, man. Christmas song in December, hopefully a pop song uh, in winter, spring of next year, and then maybe a Kickstarter with some new great romance stuff that we really, really were excited about and just time got away from us. So uh, keep checking back, social medias, uh, but December 1st, mark your calendar. Christmas time again, that'll be out, and uh, pick it up, support the band a little bit, we appreciate it. Next, this question comes from a gentleman named Sean Goodrow, maybe you're familiar with him. Sean writes, who were your earliest musical influences, and of those musical influences, is there a song that you love to cover by one of those bands? So let's look at the first part. I had to think about this, man. Sean Goodrow, whoever you may be. Since I grew up singing Southern Gospel music, those were a lot of my influences at first. So when I started going more towards being a band, uh, I remember Sonic Flood had released... It was a pink album, and when I was asked to be a worship leader at First Assembly of God Church in Granite City, um, shout out to my cousin Elon, that was his youth group, and he said they were looking for a worship leader. I kind of didn't even know what worship leading was, but I sang, and so that was when I took myself and my four or five chords that I knew and started leading worship at this Assembly of God Church, and so... From that, I met other people who were listening to a lot of Christian music that I just I didn't know. And so Sonic Flood was like one of the first albums I remember listening to that was just more of a band. And so Sonic Flood was an influencer because I learned like a lot of those worship songs. Um, just did one recently at church. Um, I remember like Holiness was on there. And um, I want to know in the secret that was on there. Uh, I think they covered Heart of Worship. Uh, if any of you who remember Sonic Flood, that pink album was just a thing. And I learned every song off of that. So, like, that was an influence because it was, you know, a little bit rocky, a little bit edgy. Um, it wasn't, like, just CCM, easy listening. It's a little less Michael W. Smith, Stephen Chris Chapman, Amy Grant, although that is the Trinity. And um, it was a little more of a band. So, like, those those guys played a heavy influence on me. But I remember going to Indiana, visiting somebody, and I, for those of you who remember what a Christian bookstore is, uh, there was a big one in Evansville, Indiana. And so I stopped at it before I took the two and a half hour drive home, and I looked at a new artist release section, and there was a band called By the Tree. And I was like, you know what, this just kind of looks cool. It's different. I don't know who it is. And that's when, you know, I think more people used to do that where you would just buy random artists. Um, I don't know if you do that as much 
online. Maybe you do. Maybe you buy random artist singles and stuff. But they were like featured. So I grabbed that. I put it in the car. I started listening to it on the way home. And I like was like, who is this? And so I remembered they were cons- This is so funny. They were considered alternative. Uh, which if you check out By the Tree and you listen to some of those first albums, you'd be like, I, I'm not under. They're a pop band. But that's the category they were in in Christian music. And so they influenced me. And, uh, man, there were so many songs off of that album, like kind of answering your other question about, you know, songs that you like to cover. Um, they, oh, geez, what was the one? They had a song off of their album, Invade My Soul, uh, called There For Me, that we used to play all the time, <laughs> like all the time. Yeah, it started off with a drum, digga, 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 digga. And uh, we hopped in there. So I, I used to love to play that song. And, like, the chord is a bunch of power chords, so it was easy for me to play. Um, and so that was one of the ones I used to like to cover. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I'm a huge fan of Switchfoot. Um, a little bit obsess- obsessively, maybe. Uh, I've seen him a ton of times. Uh, we've shared a stage with him a couple of times, once at Agape. Uh, all those of you who remember Agape Music Festival in Illinois, and then also uh, at Santa Claus, Indiana, at Holiday World. Uh, also shared a stage by the tree. I forgot that a couple times. And so um, Switchfoot has been a huge influence just like as far as I can remember. I, I think John Foreman, that's one of my huge goals for this podcast, is to interview John one day. Now, I really would like to write a song with John. Um, I hold him up pretty high. I think he's a great frontman. I think he's a great songwriter. I think he's a great singer. And so uh, they have a song, like, of course, Dairy to Move, always fun to cover. But then um, Dark Horses, if you've listened to the Vice Versus album, I I don't know why, man, that song is so fun to play. Um, it's got a little edge to it, too. It's it, It's just one of those that I love to cover. Um, as an artist, so when you say people who influence you, Switchfoot for sure, By the Tree, those are some of the earliest ones, Sonic Flood, uh, and those were like the cover songs that I still like doing to this day. Um, don't get as much of an opportunity to do them, but a lot of Switchfoot stuff still can work its way into like sets, and even at the church that I lead worship at, uh, we get some of those songs in. So that's your answer, Sean, who, by the way, also plays drums at my church on the worship team, so I appreciate you asking the question. And so this person who may or may not be related to Sean Goodrow is Marcy Goodrow. So draw your own conclusions. She asked, how young were you when you knew you wanted to be a singer? And this is a good question. Ah, I, my dad always says that he has me recorded singing at the age of two. And so I've heard the tape, and those of you who are not familiar, tapes are these little uh, devices that um, you could stick your finger on either side and wind them back and forth. Um, you play them in a tape deck. You put those in your car a lot of times. You have a stereo system at home with a tape. Anyway, um, and so he has me recorded singing when I was two. He's like playing guitar, and I would sing along, and my mom's yelling in the background, please let that baby go to sleep. So, like, I have sang from the time I mean like I as long as I can remember but I think when I was like five my dad had me singing in a group 
and he had me singing with him and uh, my cousin and her dad. And then another guy came along after they kind of left the group. And so there was a Southern gospel group called Cathedrals, the Cathedral Quartet. And um, I love those guys. We saw them any chance we could get. And so what I would do is telling myself a little bit. I remember like I would put a, like a fake stage and I would grab a mic or something that looked like a mic because we had like our own PA system and I would play their live concerts. And so I would pretend like I was the tenor and they would like do their shtick and their jokes and everything. And I would like be in it like I was there. And I remember thinking, you know, like I, this is what I want to do one day. And so that would have been when I was like five years old. And when I look back at that now, which is silly, but not. So that's if you have kids who like want to do music for a living, not a living, who just want to do music. And they have these desires and they like want to put on shows and different things at home. Like let them do it because I developed stage presence from from pretending to be on stage. And um, so like I knew at an early age, I just loved music. Now, what's crazy is when I got into high school and I didn't think it was as cool to sing, I kind of stopped doing it. So it's not like I didn't like lose a little bit of focus on it. But then I got it back in college again when I started singing. So I knew from the time I was really little that I wanted to be a singer, and thankfully I had supportive parents that saw something, you know, that God had given me some sort of ability and just encouraged me to use it, and and I'd say pushed a little bit, but I don't mean that in a negative way, like they pushed it, they pushed me in a good way to just be like, you know, if God's given you a talent, you need to use it. So Marcy Goodrow, uh... That's the answer to your question. All right. Moving forward. This question comes to us from a young lady named Allie Roberts. Oh, sorry. Allie Roberts. Allie Roberts. Maybe you know who you are. Um, Her question says, what made you want to start a band and pursue music? And so like the the short answer, and it's going to be like, well, that's the spiritual answer, is God put that desire into my heart. But I didn't really know that it was like going to be a band or pursuing a career in music. And I didn't even know that stuff or start getting interested in that as like a possibility until I started leading worship at that church and being surrounded by people who um, I don't necessarily say like knew the, they weren't in the industry, but they loved music and they like opened my mind up to this whole world that existed, like this con- Christian contemporary arena where I wasn't even really listening to Christian radio. And so those people kind of showing me, well, here's this thing that all these people do. And I was like, why? Well, I, I like music. And then started playing with some of these guys. I'm like, well, we're pretty good. And so we were just a worship band, and so it was myself and my cousin Dustin and a guy that we met at this church who started randomly playing bass named Rob Boston. And so we had a drummer that played with us at church, at that church, 
But for some reason, and I do not remember, uh, my cousin Dustin was going to another church and he said, I got a guy who's a really good drummer. Let me ask him if he's interested in all in this. And Dustin was like, let's start a band. And so my cousin Dustin, let's talk about him for a little bit. Um, he was a guy who would like, you know, he he went to the University of Illinois and, and like I swear he went away one year and he played French horn in the band and he came back and all of a sudden like he was Jimi Hendrix on the guitar. It, it was insane to me. And so he knew that scene. He like knew the band scene. He would go to like festivals and things and just like, you know, he just knew so much more about it than I did. And so he introduced me to Chad. Shout out to Chad Carpenter and Rob Boston had started playing with us and that's the original max power boys and so what's weird is it wasn't like just this epiphany one day of let's start a band and pursue music it was kind of like we're doing this thing we like doing it let's maybe see if we can write any songs so it was it wasn't just like you know we weren't this driven whatever that came later and so once we wrote songs and found a way to like kind of play shows uh we started even you know like i i had a little bit of desire to to push, um, that kind of stuff, and so, um, anyway, like, it kind of just happened organically, but then I would say once we started the band and started writing and started playing some places and going, well, hey, we're not that bad at this, um, then I started seeing other bands, and I would always look at like the main stage bands, like the bands that were bigger than us. So, I was like, well, what are they doing? It's like, well, they do this for a living. And that was the days where I thought that if you made it on the main stage, you must be making a really good living playing music. Now, I found out later that wasn't always the case, but uh, Chad, Chad was kind of a businessman, and I had went to school and got a degree in business, and like the two of us kind of became the driving force of let's pursue a career in this. So that's kind of where that came from. So uh, it, it was two of us for sure. And we would motivate each other, keep each other on task. What do we need to do to get to that next level? Always pushing, you know, and sometimes to a fault, we'd both say if we if we had hindsight on that was we were so, we got to the point where we were so concerned with making it, we kind of forgot why we started doing it. And the reason we started doing it is because we had fun playing music. So um, that's kind of, I'd say like after college, a couple years after college, there was just this desire of like, well, let's do this. And it came out of worship music, but then like, you know, we weren't a worship band. We were, we were like at first just a Christian rock band was what we were. And then like we transitioned that way a little bit later into more worship music. So I hope that answered your question. Allie Roberts, who is also um, a young lady in my youth group, and she leads worship at our church. She fills in for me a lot. Uh, she's 17 and has grown by leaps and bounds and has a desire to be a worship leader. So I hope that she pursues that as well, but always keeps that focus on Christ. And that's why she wants to lead worship, not to get famous, not to be rich, but just to spread the news of Jesus Christ. So that's Allie Roberts. All right, next up. J. Roud Beasley, Jer Jared Beasley. I think that's this young man's name. Um, this is a this is like a short question, 
but it's a good question. And like, I had to think about it for a second. He said, Taylor or Martin and why? So let that sink in for a second. So two kinds of guitars, Taylor and Martin. And uh, Jared has said in his comment that he is a Martin guy. So I have a Taylor. Um, I've had it for a while. And uh, what's funny is I used to always say that I would never play a Taylor. Um, (laughs) And what's weird about that is I think the only reason I said that (laughs) was because every worship leader I knew played a Taylor. I think that's, I think that's the only reason I said that. And so, um, I remember like the first guitar that I had, oh my gosh, I think it was an Ibanez. And, um, I remember the only reason I wanted that guitar and remember I like knew nothing. Like I've never been the guy who knows a ton about guitars. Like I've never been that guy. So the only reason I wanted that guitar was because Dave Matthews played a black guitar, uh, with like a white, like white trim around it. And so I didn't look serial numbers. I didn't anything and I couldn't afford whatever Matt, uh, whatever Dave Matthews was playing anyway. And so I got a black Ibanez. So that's why I started playing. And so, like, the more we played, like, I realized everywhere we'd go, I'd be like, eh, my guitar's kind of crappy compared to what everybody else was playing. I wasn't very good, so I got a little bit better. And then once I started getting to the point where we were recording a little bit more in studio, I was like, I I need something better. And so I remember um, my dad had, I used to borrow his guitar. And then he had, I think, a Martin. And it got stolen. And so my church's insurance covered it. And so I, he goes, well, look, you give me your old Ibanez. Cause I'd been borrowing his and he's like, go get you a nicer guitar that you want. And so, um, I went in to guitar center cause I had to, you know, charge it. Cause I, I didn't have the cash even from the insurance to pay for something that was of the level that I wanted to go to. And so I was like, what are my options in a guitar center? Those of you who know guitars, uh, it was kind of like a Taylor or a Martin. And so I liked his Martin, but I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to play a Taylor. It's the one thing I'm not going to do. Every worship leader plays a Taylor. So I got a Martin and they had a new pickup system in it. And I remember it was like kind of thinner too. And so we got it. We, I took it to church. I started playing it. I, we could not get that thing coming direct out to sound good. Chase was trying everything, everybody. And they're like, man, it's just not meaty. It's not whatever. I just wasn't in love with the sound. Now, again, it was the series Martin that I had. I'm not saying Martins are bad, uh, Jared Beasley, if that's your name. Um, and so I went back and I said, I just don't love it. What else can I get? What else do you think they said I could get? So I got a 400 series Taylor. I didn't have it that long. And I remember my cousin back to Dustin, he played it. He put it back in the case. He didn't lock the case. I grabbed the case. I pulled it out. The guitar fell face down, cracking the guitar. (laughs) And so I lived with that crack forever. And I took it uh, probably within the last year even because, you know, cold. 
expands, gets smaller. Anyway, I took it to, there's a guy in St. Louis, um, Gay's um, Instrument Repair. If you're ever looking for just like a guy who knows his stuff, uh, he can set up your guitar, he can repair your guitar. I took it and he's like, let me take a look at it, man. So he went on the inside, fixed it up, and actually it's with him right now because I'm having some weird action and I'm losing tune a little bit. So um, I'm a Taylor guy. I've played some really sweet Martins. I don't think I'm like, I'd never play anything else. Uh, I also, our church has a Gibson that sounds really good. And so, but if you said, you know, well, what are you? Well, I play a Taylor. So I don't know if I'm a Taylor guy per se, but I like the way mine sounds. And, you know, it's been my guitar for quite some time now. I've kind of fallen in love with that. Uh, it's a, like I said, it's a 400 series. So Jared Beasley, um, I'm a Taylor guy. Uh, and Jared is one of my best friends who um, loves Star Wars. And we also attended Star Wars celebration in chicago yes we're those nerds uh a few years back and it was the most epic time on the planet so uh thanks jared for sending that question and jared is a martin guy all right next question comes to us from amanda carringer Hmm. amanda carringer she says have you ever met someone more famous than you Like, I don't know, maybe Tim the Tracker. Very good question, Amanda, which is also going to lead us into another question uh, by um, someone else named uh, Rebecca Fike. So, um, have I ever met someone more famous than me? Well, first of all, uh, I am not famous. So, yes, I've met quite a few people who are way more famous than I am. Um, We'll get into our Tim the Tracker question in a second. But uh, as far as like, I mean, most of them, they're musicians. And so, oh man, the the most famous musician, and like, you know, um, we like have played with a lot of guys and it doesn't mean that like I had these deep, meaningful conversations with him, but we're just talking about people we've met. So I met Chris Tomlin backstage, um, uh, Jerome from Switchfoot a couple times, Tim from Switchfoot, uh, David Crowder, um, the For King and Country guys, Jordan Felice, uh, John Cooper from Skillet had lunch with him. Uh, Quite a few guys, probably the most famous guy I've met that just like crosses the borders of just Christian music was uh, we played a NASCAR event. We played like it was Christian family day. And so we played a concert there, but then we also sang the national anthem. It was like live on television. And Charlie Daniels was uh, the band or the, uh, the starter of the uh, gentlemen, start your engines. Who's that guy? You're, those of you who know race, race car stuff, you're mocking me right now. I understand that. I don't know anything about cars. And so um, he was there. That was kind of a big deal for me. Like, I'm not even going to lie. He was a big guy, like a really big dude. So met him. And, uh, yeah, man, like we've we've got to meet some pretty big audio adrenaline on their farewell tour. That's one of the best shows, one of my favorite shows I've ever played uh, because I really looked up to those guys and got to kind of be there, you know, on their their farewell tour. Um, so met 
met quite a, a few famous people. Um, and recently on a vacation, uh, which I just got back from to Florida, Disney, imagine that. Again, those of you who know myself and my wife know we're obsessed. And uh, there is a vlogger named Tim the Tracker. Well, shout out to Tim the Tracker. So if you're ever wanting to know about vacationing in Florida, amusement parks, um, just uh, random things to do too, not just Disney, not just Universal. This is the guy. Uh, check him out. And I watch him religiously. And I just have always, you know, like you watch somebody or you hear them on the radio or whatever. Or you hear him on a podcast and you go, I think we'd be good friends. I think we'd be, re I feel that way about Paul Rudd. Um, he's from Kansas and he just seems like a good dude. I just think him and I would be buddies. And so Tim the Tracker is that kind of guy. And so on this last vacation, we're sitting out at a place called the Lux Burger, Disney Springs. Check them out. And I look up and I go, oh my gosh, it's Tim the Tracker. Oh my gosh, it's Tim the Tracker. Oh my gosh, it's Tim the Tracker. And it was him. And I, I always thought I would see him filming videos and stuff at some point as much as we go down there. And he wasn't filming and some people were just taking a picture. So I got to come up to him and ask for a picture. <laughs> And uh, he was really cool about it. So, it, I don't know. It kind of made my day. I geeked out a little bit. Um, but that was from Amanda Carringer, who also was on that vacation with myself, my wife, our family. And there was 11 of us. And uh, we just got back and we had the best time. Uh, you, if those of you who have ever been on a vacation with a large group, there's like, a, you know, like I said, 11 you kind of worry about, are we going to get to do enough things? Like, is somebody getting upset? Will we still like each other when this is over? And really just had a good time. There were three kids on the trip with us, young kids. They really did well, especially like as much stuff as we had them ride and kind of push them a little bit. And so anyway, uh, that's from Amanda Carringer because her and um, Rebecca Black, my associate pastor's wife, they're our friends as well. They had just went to go get like a cookie at this place we always wanted to eat at and asked me if I want to go stand in line. I said no, and I'm glad I didn't because I would have missed Tim the Tracker. So that's my answer to that, Amanda Carringer. Which leads me to my next question, Rebecca Fike. She says, um, I would like to hear about the time that you and Jamie Zawada... This is the other really famous person that I have met. Met Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. She says, I've heard Jamie's version, but I think yours will be even more hilarious. So, um, this story is weird. And you can draw your own conclusions about things. I'm just going to tell you the details. I was in Nashville, and I think I was there to record. And uh, Jamie Zawada is my cousin's husband. And so he had said, hey, I'm actually down here too. Do you want to like go get something to eat? I was like, yeah, man. And so he was staying in a hotel for business. I was staying down there for recording. And so we met up. We like talked about a couple places we we're going to go. And so we went to a place called Hattie B's. And so if you're a fan of hot chicken... Um, Hattie B's, I think there's two locations. Those of you who live in Nashville can tell me if they've added any more. But Hattie B's is, is kind of the place to go for hot chicken. And so it was pretty late at night. Like it wasn't 
gonna it was gonna close pretty soon. So we were sitting down, and Steven Tyler was releasing a country album at the time. He was working on a country record, and I looked up and I was like, "Is that Steven Tyler?" And uh, Jamie turns out, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it is." So I did any amateuric thing like anybody else who's a fan, and you know, like man, I. I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s, went to high school in the 90s. So Aerosmith, come on. I grab my phone. I go to take a picture. He puts his hand up after I take the picture. And I was like, hey, I swear I will not bother you. I am a huge fan. You know, you were the music of my youth. Um, I, I just, that's the only picture I'll take. I'll leave you alone, man. Just wanted to say hi. And then he was cool. And he was like, you know, he, he put his hand down. He said, like, oh, okay, man. Or he said, about? he didn't do that. He didn't sing. The weirdest part about the story. So not only are we seeing Steven Tyler of Aerosmith in Nashville, Tennessee at Hattie B's at about nine o'clock, maybe 930. He came into the room and there was just like, two younger girls with him and i i think one was his daughter i'm not sure it just was weird because they all went into the bathroom together now i'm not trying to throw shade at steven tyler i'm not trying to accuse steven tyler of anything weird so don't go there i'm just saying i saw the dude three people go into a bathroom together and come out and then eat hot chicken so it's one of the weirdest experiences, but like if you think about Steven Tyler, like that's kind of rock star e, you know, something that makes no sense. Um, and then Jamie used to always tell me that he's like, "Why, oh why, didn't we just say, hey man, chicken's on us? Like why didn't we buy it? Because then I'm sure we would have been best friends with him, Jamie." Um, so that was from Rebecca Fike. I don't know if it was uh, as hilarious as you wanted to be, but just weird. Uh, and Rebecca Fike is a family friend I've known for a long time, uh, who actually, when I was teaching at Coordinated Youth um, for an alternative ed school in Granite City, she was my um, teacher's assistant, my teacher's aide. So she has some stories on where teacher Matt came from and had to get very tough very fast. And I'm not tough, but I talk a good talk. Um, so that's from Becky Fike, Steven Tyler. Uh, this question comes to us from a young lady named Lindsay Lively Valmer. I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Her question is, how does it feel to be married to such an incredible lady? Lindsay Lively Oh, Valmer. Oh, my wife. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. No. Um, well, I just went on vacation with you, so... Uh, I think after all this time, the fact that we still have fun together is pretty awesome. And what I can tell you is being married to somebody who is in music in any way, shape, or form, like pursuing it from the get-go, hitting like the medium strides of starting to like, you know, be able to quit your job and do this full time. Um, she would tell you it is not easy. And so we have had ups and downs um, just like anybody else, like, like if people, the one thing we always say is if people would be more honest about their stories and struggles, we would all realize we're all messed up people. We all have issues. And so like, we have the same issues other people have. 
but what I can tell you is um, she is incredible. And even tonight at youth, we asked our kids what they were thankful for. And she's the children's minister at our church. And a lot of them said, I'm thankful for Miss Lindsay. And they said without her, she wouldn't be in church. And so here's the deal. To be married to somebody that has that kind of impact on children and ministry, um, I could not ask for anybody better. And so uh, it's awesome being married to somebody like you, who also puts up with me recording a podcast late at night. Uh, So there you go. That's Lindsay. That's from my wife. Next question. Andy Black. Now we're getting a little bit out of music, but that's okay. His question is, favorite Star Wars movie? Now, if you go back and read this question, it was on our social media. I think I might even just put it on my personal Facebook. He said, there's no wrong answer. Or there's no right answer, but there are wrong answers. So I don't think my answer is very like controversial or anything. And I have thought about this so many times, actually with Jared a lot of times. And the list has changed over the year. Like if you ask me to put them all in order, it changes constantly. Like one thing is I actually like Solo. And even as I say that, some people are probably like, click. Um, And some people are like, who's Solo? Um, I enjoy that movie. I really like Rogue One as well. Now, a lot of people are on board with that. It's not like a typical... I mean, it's Star Wars, obviously, but it's not like, you know, that the OG cast or anything. Now, my wife loves the new ones. She loves 7, 8, and 9, and 9 is her favorite. And some people are like, no, you know. Uh, prequels, I went to midnight shows of prequels. I saw Phantom Menace eight times or nine times and so when force awakens came out i was like i have to see that one more time than i saw phantom menace because phantom menace was not great and i saw it that many times so i just need to cleanse my palate um but my favorite is empire strikes back uh anytime i start to get away from that and think like it's gonna change it does not change and I just go back to that. I did not see Empire Strikes Back in theaters because I think I would have been three or four when it came out. Three, because it came out in in 80 and in 77. I was born. Man, I'm talking a lot about my age. I need to stop that. Uh, And so 80, I I was six in 83, and I did see Return of the Jedi in theaters. That was the first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters, and I love that. It's always got a special place in my life. And I recorded it on my VCR and used to rewatch it all the time. But Empire I like because it's darker. Um, the Battle of Hoth is just amazing. Um, I have a Lego AT-AT I'm looking at right now. There is just something about that whole snow scene. Uh, they introduce Yoda to us. Cloud City is amazing. We get Lando. Han Frozen and Carbonite, Boba Fett. I mean, there's just so many things. And I think what I love about it is it ends on a cliffhanger. And you kind of, like, I mean, back then especially, which I think the first time I saw Empire was on a VCR, uh, my aunt's house. But, like, to have a movie end and be like, huh. So they got away, but they didn't win. And one of the main dudes is Frozen. 
was not really thought of at the time. So that's, I don't know. There's just, it's hard to beat that movie. And I know that's like a lot of people like Empire's the best, Empire's the best. So it's not like I'm going out on a limb. But I really, really like Empire Strikes Back. So uh, that's for you, Mr. Andy Black, who is my associate pastor at my church. Um, and we are huge Star Wars buddies, vacation buddies. Just went on that vacation together. Uh, drank blue milk together. Yes, arm in arm. And so, yeah, man, it's it's not exciting. But Empire Strikes Back, I think that's it. Uh, the next question comes from Tim Bromley. Also a podcast supporter so remember you can go to anchor and uh, find the great romance podcast and click support and become one of those supporters of the podcast tim bromley says oh man tim if you could change the star wars sequel trilogy would you and if so how oh i'm sorry the new star wars sequel trilogy um, would you, and if so, how? So, okay, I'm just going to jump into this. Like, Tim, I know Tim. And we, uh, he plays keys on the worship band in my church and is also a stars buddy and also went on that vacation. A lot of connections here. So, Tim has seen most of the, of the Star Wars sequel trilogy with me. Uh, we have like a Star Wars chat group. I know, nerds. And uh, we go see the movies when they come out together. And so what I know about Tim is Tim doesn't love the new ones that much. Tim knows that I do love the new ones a lot. Uh, Tim really doesn't like The Last Jedi. Uh, Controversial. I know a lot of people don't like it. I I like the new stuff. So the first question is, um, if I could change it, would I? And if so, how? So, I'm fine with it as it is. I love Ray. I like Poe. I like Finn. I like the new characters. Um, Kylo, I love him. I know he's a, a pouty baby sometimes, but I named my cat after him. Um, I like the new stuff. There, If there's one thing I would change, it's this. I don't know how you can have that movie, those movies, still have at the time when the first one came out, when episode seven came out, three of the actors from the OG series alive and not film one scene with all three of them together. That's the only thing I would change. I I think you missed out on a huge opportunity. Even in The Last Jedi, I was like, will they write something about dropping Kylo off young little Kylo with Uncle Luke. They didn't do it. I mean, we, you know, we got that moment with Leia and Luke in in 8. Uh Han and Leia had a moment, but it's like all three of them, you couldn't put all three of them together at all. So, that's the only thing I would change. Um the rest of them, I like them and I like the way Rise wrapped it all up. So, uh sorry, Mr. Tim Bromley. Tim also asked a music question though, and he said, "This is this is really really good uh, and interesting. Have you ever written a song that you really liked, put a lot of time into it, and then decided not to release it? If so, why?" So I 
have written a ton of songs that nobody's ever heard of. Um, and most of the times if I decide not to put it out there, it's because when I put some distance from myself in it and I go back to it and I play it, I come to the conclusion that's not very good. And again, that's in my opinion, but I'm the one putting the stuff out there. So I've had times where I've written something and I put a lot of time and effort into it and I go back and I go, this is garbage. Uh, what was I thinking when I wrote this? <laughs> so it's happened, but I've also had songs like I am sitting on a song. If you've been to any concerts or anything, we've like we have not played this as a band except one time. Uh, my church has played it as a worship song, but we played it at a camp recently uh, at Beulah Camp. Um, it's called Our Great God. And so I wrote it with a guy. Oh, man, it's been a bit in a writing session in Nashville. I really dug it. But then I just, like, forgot about it. I just had a work tape. And I think he was in the band 33 Miles, if that rings a bell to anybody. And so we wrote that song together years later, um, which I think we played it live, an acoustic version, on one of our... um, streaming concerts that we did during covid and a young man named jacob anderson at my church i was like this needs a rap uh and i'm not a rapper and the bridge needs that and so i had asked a couple other rappers that i knew like guys that are pros and i also asked jacob and i said hey man just like you know write it see what happens and jacob wrote this killer rap and uh, so we did that song recently, and I, that's one of the songs in the Kickstarter that I really want to do just to get, even if it's just to get a single out, I, I would like to get the song out. Um, and we did some stuff. Raby slowed down the beat in the bridge. He went to like halftime, and now the rap needs to be extended. So um, that's a song that I've been sitting on for a long time and not put out. And, you know, not to go down this road, but most of my friends know this and if you're in the industry or whatever uh it is expensive to put out music that is good and so recording at a legit studio and i'm not saying you can't record pro tools i'm not saying you can't record at your house i mean al city did a whole album doing it that way but the best way to get quality product is to put some cash into it and so you know we're talking thousands of dollars a song um and especially when you're a band that's not really playing a lot right now sometimes it's hard to get that money together so that's why we need more podcast supporters no so that's why the kickstarter thing helps a lot um and i and our great god is one that i really want to put out there those of you who have heard it uh have also said man like yeah you you really need to do something with that so Hopefully we'll get some support and we'll be able to put that guy there. Some people have donated a little bit already, and that was during COVID. So um, fingers crossed, say some prayers. And if you'd like to hear that song, contact us um, for ways that you can support The Great Romance and help with that. All right, we're winding down um, to the end of the list. Uh, I This hasn't been exactly what I thought. I'm just kind of answering things. I'm not like trying to be funny or silly or whatever. I'm just like answering them. So I hope this is something you've liked. And maybe those of you who hear this who have other questions can send them in and we can have another one of these types of podcasts. 
Um, so this is a young man by the name of David Gross who said, and I quote, why are breathy folk singers so much better than Kelly Clarkson? Oh, David, David, David. So David plays bass for the great romance from time to time. And this question comes from him being snarky, like uh, David Gross can be. And he said, um, we were playing in New Hampshire, and we played a show, I think, in Maine. Uh, there's a Christian radio station up there. And they said, hey, man, we'll have you guys come in and let this girl open for you and just, you know, have a little concert at night. It was a cool little venue. And so this girl sings. And look, she was good. I'm not saying she's not good. Definitely a breathy folk singer. That was her style. And so the guys, David and Raby, was there too. They started talking about how much they liked her. I was like, well, yeah, she's good. But I'm like, she's no Kelly Clarkson. And so we went off on this tangent. I guess Raby, a friend of his, had like something tuned her vocals or something. And I'm like, no way. And, you know, everybody like uses auto-tune to a degree. So like it happens. But I'm like, but I've heard Kelly Clarkson sing and she can sing. And so they're like, that girl tonight was better than Kelly Clarkson. And I was like livid in, in a funny way. Like, there's no way she's better than Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone indeed. Get out. Oh, David, I love you, man. I miss you and I miss your humor. But uh, breathy folk singers are not so much better than Kelly Clarkson. And that is my answer to that question. It is not the case. And I do think that's probably the best place to end this podcast on <laughs> is with a ridiculous question like that. So um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's the questions and answers podcast this week. Uh, and hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll be back. We have some other guests lined up. Say a prayer about some of those that that um, things come through. And John Foreman, if you're listening, which I know you are, uh, you know, if you want to close out season three and be that last guest, I'm down, man. Like I'd even take Tim to be honest. Tim's a good dude. He's a good musician, good bass player, good brother. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Last but not least, if you would like to um, support the podcast. Uh, please remember that you could be a monthly supporter. Um, 99 cents is the bronze level, gets you early exclusive content. 4.99 is the silver level, 5% off of all great romance purchases for life, uh, and a TJR sticker. And then 9.99 is the gold level, and that's 10% off all TJR merch and a TGR T-shirt. You just go to Anchor.fm backslash Matt dash Volmer um, and just click on the. Uh, support button so thank you for all those who do support the podcast uh, we couldn't do this without you um, we want to continue to do it because it's really fun I've really enjoyed being able to do this and and started this podcast uh, in New Hampshire I had interviewed somebody and and uh, it was the guys it was David and Raby and we're like let's just do it man like let's just now's the time and so we did that, edited it, put the first one out, which is ridiculously silly. If you've never listened to season one, episode one, go back and listen to it. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing me to be able to do this and talk about ministry things. Like that's one thing that a lot of the guests that we have on now 
our conversations just go that way. They go to ministry and they go to why we do what we do. And I got into music to minister to people. And, um, you know, to be a worship leader is where it took me and now a youth pastor. And so this podcast is just one more thing of hopefully other churches that maybe have questions about what does it take uh, to start a band or what does it take to start a worship band or what does it take to do a youth band? What does it take to run a practice? What does it take to give your best to God. Hopefully we answer some of those questions, but thank you guys for coming along on the ride. Thank you to all my friends, uh, family, fans who sent in questions. Uh, Your questions were silly, and that's what I like because I don't like to be too serious. It's just not that fun. So I am Matt. This has been the Great Romance Podcast. Almost forgot the name there. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.